Alright everybody, welcome to Grab Lives. Just to start off with our disclaimer, everything we say and do does not reflect the city of Los Angeles Fire Department. And just to also begin with our team member and sponsor, Frontline Behavioral Wellness. Frontline Behavioral Wellness is going to assist firefighters, first responders, police officers, veterans with behavioral health and mental health issues that arise within our line of work. Now, this program is designed to treat anything from PTS, PTSD, depression, anxiety, and they have a number of different modalities of which they take an innovative approach towards treating anything and everything that comes up in our line of work. And so with Frontline Behavioral Wellness, their offerings uh, do take insurance. So if you know someone who is in dire need that needs assistance, then reach out to them. Uh, the best way to reach out to Frontline Behavioral Wellness is through a phone number that is a 24-7 hotline that is confidential and is geared to assist you when you need help. So that number is going to be 661-877-7241. And this number is direct for first responders. If you are interested in their services as well, you can go to asarahealth.com. Now, Frontline Behavioral Wellness also offers a different number of treatments from therapy, group therapy, to neurofeedback, EMDR. They are wanting to help. So if you're interested, reach out to them. And for if, if you are a first responder, please go to that phone number. Again, it's 661-877-7241. Now for today's episode, we meet again with Bo Porter. And uh, Bo Porter is a, a good friend and ally in this march and fight against mental health and behavioral health and understanding what it means and his own odyssey and journey in discovering what is going on. And, you know, Bo's, Bo has a PowerPoint called Treading Water, and it is an excellent way of understanding a grounded approach towards figuring out what's going on with simple steps. And Bo Porter is a firefighter paramedic at Station 33 for the City of Los Angeles Fire Department. This guy is awesome. And it was such a great conversation to have with him uh, for this second meeting with us. And I missed our first meeting. I was in Hawaii and I met him at the peer support group training and we really hit it off. He's a great person and a great person to lead the way in understanding what's going on in this epidemic that's occurring within our first responders and our firefighters in this line of work. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Uh, stay tuned and enjoy. All right, Bo Porter, thanks for ha- thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It's been uh, it's been a wild year for sure. So uh, since you came on, man, uh, what's been you for? I don't know everything you've done on your I don't know skyrocketed, highlighted <laughs> success in behavioral health. Uh, yeah, I mean it's been it's been a wild year. Um, I mean, obviously the uh, the the rocket fuel is definitely this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it uh, it's it's come a long way. I mean, I'm still still out there doing the PowerPoint. Um, like I talked it with 
talked about last time and uh still out there doing you know stations uh there's still people out there that haven't heard it um and uh so that kind of is the gateway most of the time um into these stations uh you know a couple of guys on the at the station have heard it or watched it online and uh you know they're like hey man you know you mind coming out and uh, a couple of guys haven't seen it and uh and so it's it's been good you know still break breaking the ice that way um and then a lot of a lot of times now, you know, they've, they've either seen that or heard the podcast or a variety of those things. Um, and so they, you know, we're reaching out a lot more, um, which is awesome. And then, um, being named, um, the peer support South Bureau lead, um, which is uh, basically a big title, uh, for just saying that, uh, in, in my geographical area, um, I'm the guy to call. Um, that's opened a lot of doors and that's only been now probably what three months of that and uh and so that's that's brought a bunch of new challenges and uh and new things to learn and and how to how to handle um problems and then getting solutions and then basically bringing this whole mental mental health um thing to the forefront as far as job wise and then policy and everything like that so that's been uh super challenging um and then uh, as far as uh outside the department um had you know several um municipalities reach out to me um i did a uh let's see uh, ventura county fire uh that was that was a super cool one we did it uh we did it at a brewery of all places it was pretty funny because uh, the guys from ventura was like hey man you know the only only place we can get is a brewery that that'll hold this these many people in the middle of the week and and uh you still want to do it and i was like yeah let's let's do it man i mean every clinician in the world would tell you no but i, I ain't one of those so <laughs> let's roll and, and it ended up being really uh really cool it was uh there was uh i think i mean i i didn't get an official count but i'd say like 30 to 35 people <clears throat> and uh it was just a cool environment because it's yeah. uh it was it kind of definitely uh loosened uh just expectations you know because everybody you know when they when they hear uh, oh man you're gonna give a talk on mental health great yeah let me let me sleep for 30 minutes but uh it was just cool so it, it kind of broke the uh broke the ice right away just by where it was um and so it was uh just a really cool breakout session afterwards and talking to everybody um it was it was uh, quite useful um and then because of all of that um they've um, the department started using me as, uh, to do all the drill towers. So now I'm speaking at every graduating. Um, I usually go the last week of the uh, drill tower and I go and give my presentation. And, uh, and so that at first, um, it was very strange. I remember talking with my wife the first time I did it and, uh, or the first time they asked me and I was like, man, uh, probationary members, I go, I go not even on probation actually not even hit the field yet i go where am i going to relate you know all of this information to make it applicable for somebody that's never even been on the job yet really and uh and so you know my wife just you know like she always says you know just be be yourself and uh and so what was crazy was is i you know obviously ran through some scenarios of things i could relate to and and uh and things that would work and and i remember walking out of the first one after i did it called my wife and, and she's like how how did it go and i was like ah, i don't know like it was rough and to me it felt rough obviously you know it's uh up to the uh 
the observer but uh for me it was like super super kink like just hinky and had a lot of kind of spots where i got to where i'd normally say a story but then i'm like well that doesn't really apply to these guys and uh and so but that being said um i actually had some of the the best um responses to it um from those uh probationary members and then since going forward um it's really allowed me an opportunity to meet them and introduce myself right off the bat so before they even hit the field they all know who i am they all know you know what i do i guess now um and uh and so now when things do happen um i've i've gotten a ton of calls um and uh and been able to help out a lot of people through that process now um and so it's uh it's cool it's a, it's a good way to get my foot in the door and uh and so a lot of good has come out of that um kind of risk of uh of sounding like an idiot up in front of a bunch of probationary members but uh because the last thing i wanted to do is you know be up there you know some hardcore dude and and not not be able to relate to them because that's the biggest thing with mental health um and when you're talking to people about it is being genuine being relatable um and that's what i always try to do and so that's why i always change the powerpoint not the substance of it but the delivery of it um depending on the audience you know if it's uh police officers you know i change it around to you know go towards that or if it's probationary members same same type of deal and then just get those relatable stories in there um so they can really start putting two and two together because that was my biggest problem when all of this stuff when i was learning about all this stuff it was like okay that's cool these are big words what does it mean to me like how do i apply this to my life because i mean it sounds cool but i have no idea what that means and uh and so just being able to do that for them to kind of give them a roadmap to uh to you know the ultimate goal which is you know thriving you know having joy in their life and and having a good home life um and let's see i think that's i think that's most of it um and then we can get into the peer support stuff Do as the well. probationary members though i know they've gone a lot to the behavioral health program and we've reached out because different what i've what i've heard um because they just feel really stressed out you know they're drinking more and they got two babies at home while they're on probation the relationship really goes downhill which is normal you know and they warn you when you're about to get this job like it's a very stressful first year and after that it gets you know you're you're put into this this game of you know juggling that family life which is a very hard thing to do but i know without a doubt like some of these members as well like that they get hired and they have their first time walking to a firehouse is their first day of probation which is insane yes. because they really have no idea what they've got themselves into yeah. and so a lot of people will quit and because they can't handle 24-hour shifts which is what we do mm-hmm. and that that can really um put a lot on people's shoulders especially when they're they're juggling hey what's more important is my family more important or is this job more important and you have to come to a, a greater realization with that with understanding okay well you have to meet in the middle really you know your family has to adjust that's why this job is probably one of the most i guess challenging jobs for a family because you have to balance between you know you're not even at home and luckily now these days we can like facetime you know your your wife and your kids or your spouse and your kids while you're off you know working three four five six days in a row so 
I know for myself, when I was on probation, it was one of the hardest years of my life. And I've done a lot of, you know, difficult, arduous things in my life, but uh, that's when I was drinking more. That's when I had less sleep because I had to study on top of recovering from no sleep. Right. So it is challenging, but I think it's important that they, they chose you to go there and to speak to them and just to relate to them, I guess, you know, it's hard to relate to them because they really don't even have an idea sometimes right. um, of what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, so. and 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 obviously you don't you don't want to go there and you know scare the shit out of them, right? <laughs> like right. If you, you know, pull the pull the whole wool back and be like, yeah, this is what you got, you know. But um, really, it's about you know setting up that foundation to where um, and not not to get too deep into like generational stuff, um, but like we were talking about before we went on. But it's uh, this has really led me to really dive into um the generational learning and and what that's created with the psyche of the new generation and and how how difficult it's made um that transition from um their growing up to being a part of this team and and so um the first thing i want to say is the fact that i i do not you know I'm not one of those guys that prescribes to, you know, nobody's, you know, nobody will ever be as good as the generation before that. You know, we're hiring all the wrong people, like all that stuff. Like for me, that's way above my pay grade. I don't, you know, my thing is, is to get the best out of what we have. And, and so that being said, um, you have to take someone that has since birth really been shown that they're a victim that they're on their own nobody cares about them and and even if they came from good upbringing and all that stuff that same messaging is every day on their phone all day long and and so the the issue with that when you now enter a high stress environment and then the what i talk about is emotionally supportive relationships right and and so a lot of these people don't have a tribe Right, and and that's what it takes to do this job effectively for a long period. Um, is it is a tribe that you can, that you have those emotionally supportive um, people that you can rely on. Whether that's you know, your family obviously is the number one. But the problem is, is they can their relate, uh, the their relatability to your job only goes so far. Right, you're not. I don't recommend going home and telling your significant other about every call you went on yesterday um for them to help them understand right i don't i don't recommend that um and that's just my personal belief um simply for the fact that it's it's not conducive to a relationship because your your wife is or your significant other is part of the the journey but they don't they don't need to take that all on um and that's just you know in my experience um but that being said the problem is, or the, one of the biggest problems I see is, is over the course of really COVID, um, is this this tribe mentality and this quote unquote brotherhood um, has really fallen by the wayside, and it's really basically been put on steroids simply by the younger members because they're not used to emotionally supportive relationships. Anyways, everything that they have a relationship with is on their phone, right. Or on the, you know, internet, social media, what have you. And so 
not to mention some policy changes as far as not being able to stay later at work. Um, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, back when I was a probationary member, you know, I, I used to stay till noon at, at, a, at the station and it wasn't because I was forced to, it wasn't because, um, you know, that I had to, or the guys would, you know, get pissed at me or see me in a negative light. It was the fact that I knew how much I needed to know. And I knew that the best place to learn that stuff was right there. And so I would work with the other probationary member on the other shift and we would talk and we would go over drills and all this stuff. And you start to form this community that you had, um, to help you along the journey. And, and you, you built all that foundation when you're a probationary member and then where you fast forward to now um and really like i said is post covid because during covid in the covid classes you know they weren't allowed to hang out with their but their classmates they weren't allowed to you know uh or not really they weren't allowed to but they were you know discouraged from contacting their their classmates and you know because everybody had a lot of stuff going on and, and so what happened was is you have this big slew of people that were hired um post covid and that part of it has kind of been taken away and so like even at say at relief time where they don't they get five minutes in the parking lot to do a couple whispers about you know that we're low on towels or whatever and then they get in their car and bail because they have to be out there by 6 30. and so that whole kind of teamwork kind of thing gets taken away and so what happens is when something does happen they have no one to call they don't know who to call um and so they a lot of times what happens is is rather than talking to the fellow firefighters or talking to their classmates they go right into the captain and they go hey this is going on and then the captain's a mandatory reporter and then on we go down the road and they're off duty and they're like off duty stress and they're like what just happened I, I didn't i didn't ask for any of this you know and and then so then and then it just kind of steamrolls from there and and so my thing you know that i'm really preaching now and, and when i um, go to the, the drill towers, um, kind of my messaging is, um, is the fact that when they get on the job, um, and, and this goes for anyone really. Um, but when you get on the job, you're kind of innate re responsibility that's bestowed upon you is the fact that you'd be willing to die for the person next to you, right? Like if I, if, if you go down at a fire, um, without question, I'm, if you go down a fire, I'm going in there and I will, I will lay down my life for you. And, and that's pretty much across the board, universal, you know, known fact, right. Um, which should be a hundred percent true. Um, and, and if it's not true to you, um, then you should look for a lot different line of work. Um, but, uh, but that's pretty much the inherent risk that you take on. Well, my thing is, is if you're willing to die for the person next to you, how about you start living for them as well? And, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is is when you say you know because obviously the the coffee table or i mean the kitchen table at the station is notorious for you know every news of the day right but when you have those fires that you're critiquing or you're going over the fire from last shift or whatever the case may be and you're like oh man that guy's yeah that that guy's probably pretty jacked up and then you just leave it at that it's like well did you call him right and or like the guys that i hear complain about you know oh man you know that guy's been off for a long time. Like, I wonder what's going on with that guy. And it's like, well, did you call him? <laughs> like, no. And, and so that's my kind of really paradigm shift that I want to start kind of working into and, and being able to talk to the probationary members. I can start, 
you know, from the ground up and, and really start instilling that of if you're worried about your buddy or your classmate or you haven't talked to him in a while, then text them. It's not, it takes five seconds. You can do it on the, on the shitter. Like it's, it's really not that big, big of a deal, but it is, it's huge. And, and so when you start doing that and you start opening up that dialogue and it may not even be somebody that you necessarily got along with in the drill tower, right. Or, or at the place you used to work, but it's, it's about that humanization, right. Mm -hmm. And, and really bringing back the human aspect of what we do, because what we do is, is, if you want to take it from a clinician standpoint, you know, it's, it's more stress than anybody else will see. And you see seven times more, more things in a single year than most people see in their lifetime. And like all of those things, yes, all true. Right. But there is a way to successfully and productively do this job for a long period of time. If you have these systems in place and, and that's, that's the thing is, is it's like, it's no longer acceptable, um, to be the old retired guy with you know three ex-wives and and the kids that won't talk to you that's no longer acceptable we know that that's what happens and for so long that that was acceptable to to be and, and then that's just like oh man yeah you know that guy was the first responder for a long time he's all jacked up and it's like no not anymore we have too much science too much research that shows what exactly causes that and so let's start doing something about it and if we can start doing something about it from the beginning and start laying down that foundation to where we have that ability to be self-aware, to be group aware, and and to really reach out and just be humans. And yeah. and when somebody has is going through a hard time, be supportive. And 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 supportive isn't, you know, I'm not asking everybody to go out there and do fundraisers for people, right? If they want to, then great, that's awesome. You know, do it, um, take that risk. But um, all I'm asking is is just to help support each other and and stop having such a a negative reaction to people choosing themselves over the department and and so and that's always been caught caught in a negative light i mean definitely throughout my career through my father's career um it was it was definitely you know the norm right like the minute you choose you know not to work that overtime day or or not to not to come into even your own shift um then it seemed in a negative light but then what I'm asking, and I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, administration because they're always going to be the bean counters and want day-to-day -day life to go through. And I get that. And and like I said, I'm, I'm, a tried and true, proud, you know, LA fireman, and and I would, you know, work as many days as I need to work and all that stuff. But at the, at the same time, having that self-awareness to be able to say no, right, like. Yeah, I can't, I can't work that day, and and being able to be support supported by my coworkers um, is huge, and and that's that's one thing that I've seen lacking uh, more than anything um, is is that we've done the experiment now, right? Like we we had the brotherhood break up um, during COVID, and everybody go their separate ways, and and now we're starting to see the fallout of what that creates, and it doesn't work, so let's start getting back to and even further than we used to be um being involved with each other's lives um and what i mean by that is you know not noisy nancy or you know you know gossip queen of you know finding out stuff and then spreading it everywhere else it's it's about the humanization of bringing back supporting each other 
and supporting you know each other's lives um and and really being each other's best you know biggest fans yeah dude i think a lot of what you're saying is uh you got to hit everyone with the truth and honesty without a doubt and that goes with telling a probationary member hey like this is a hard job so you better strap in and figure it out because it is not for everyone and if it's going to involve you having to tell your family and sit them down and explain that to them you need to do it because that honesty is is super vital for you starting off this career and it's going to continue the more you get in 10 20 years 30 years until you retire however however you want to play it out but I think, you know, even through my own upheavals and the things I've gone through, I had to be honest with myself more than anything. And that's what, that was a huge shift in my life when I started to ask myself questions, truthful questions to get truthful answers. And when I go, would go through, okay, well, what is the questions I need to ask? Well, ask myself, how do I feel? Okay. Number one, um, how do I, uh, how can I adapt the situation? Um, you know, it, certain questions require certain answers. So if you ask yourself those questions, you can get the right answers and you get the, the truth really. And I really think if, you know, if, if everyone walked in their own truth, you would have, you would cut an anxiety and depression in half because if people are living in their truth, walking through the grocery stores, they wouldn't live in anxiety. And it takes a bit more of that inner work and the inner self-reflection to discover that and to admire yourself more. And through this this career you know people stop asking themselves questions or have that lack of self-reflection so people who do struggle later down the road you know especially if they've gone through um what has been referred to a, a career of small paper cuts not necessarily one crazy incident that has ruined your career mm. not everyone goes through that you know but it's it's a, a series of small little incidences that you've had to live through and you've stuck them, you stuffed them back in your, your subconscious and you failed to ask yourself questions. Hey, how do I feel about that call? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about not having any sleep the last six days? You know, you still have to assess yourself and, and learn when to say no to those extra overtime days because you want to buy a boat. Right. So, exactly. you know, it just, it just really takes a, a bit of a pause with yourself to really ask yourself what you need. And there's so, there are, you're right. There's so much science out there and ways to enhance yourself with biohacking or whatever, however you want to do it. So I think right now, you know, we're re understanding what the truth is. And the truth is like, you know, we are tribal people as human beings. We're raised that way with family. And when you are in an environment, when half your life or a third of your life is with, some type of tribe and you're ostracized or whatever you're gonna really struggle and you know this whole thing with the lockdown has done that to humanity not just our job but we serve humanity and the communities we serve so we have to really anchor in with this tribal aspect and even when i make an attempt to get guys from the station over my house for a barbecue it's really tough to do mm-hmm. you know and it's it but everyone's got to make excuses okay i can't do it that day i got a sod day or an overtime day whatever it it is it is hard but i, I know for a fact that that's that is one of the pieces that's going to glue behavioral health together is like that tribal mentality of bringing it back because let's say like you know 30 years ago it was way different where guys would just 
want to be with people from from work and bring their families and let everyone get to know each other and then that would even more so glue the spouses together and it was like this beautiful thing that's been lost right well and and one one thing that you really bring up um that's been the one of the biggest um hurdles um for me talking with with the higher ups about um, policy and stuff like that is is um the relatability or the relativity to an, an event right so you talked about the you know thousand cuts um over your career um but the big thing is 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 you talk about 30 years ago and a lot of those people had military background um and so relatively you know the job wasn't that big of a deal right and they'd they'd been able to draw from how they had their you know group in the military and they they fed off that and it was kind of the the lifestyle of how it worked and then also there wasn't a lot of opportunity to be fake Right, so it brings kind of all the points you just covered. So you talk about truth. Well, the biggest liar you carry around in your pocket every day, right? And and so there's a lot of people that live in lies um, and and this false you know narrative of you know the grass is always greener on the other side and all that stuff. And so that's that's the biggest thing that that you have to get away from is is drawing on emotionally supportive relationships that actually matter um, that are real um, and. And so that's that's the first way that you battle that that uh, that falsehood and, and getting back to the truth that you talked about. Um, and then and really, um, for me, um, one of the things has been the being able to understand someone about how they have no no way to understand what's happened to them in a specific event um, or a. Uh, an incident that they went on um because what's no big deal to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to them um you know and i I relate it right to um you know being a dad and having having kids and and you know my daughter falls and scrapes her knee and to me being a firefighter seeing way worse every day it's not that big of a deal right like yeah you get up you're fine right you scraped your knee right but to my daughter it's the worst thing that's ever happened to her right Oh my gosh! There's there's blood coming out of my knee, my my skin is broken. Like, oh my gosh! Like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And being able to be compassionate towards her, obviously it's my daughter, um, was a learned skill. I mean, I, I like I said, we get so battered with with work and what we see every day, um, and so it's hard to relate to that, right? And and be able to be compassionate um, and be real. Right. And so that was obviously something I had to work on and still I'm working on, I'm work in progress, but, uh, but in the same different sides of the same coin, now go back to our job. And now we have people that didn't come from a background in, in service or fire service or any service for that matter. Um, and they got onto the job cause we were, they wanted to do something bigger with themselves, um, or for the greater good or, you know, be part of a team that's that's bigger than them and all that all the the promotional uh videos which i totally it's awesome right but at the same time the first time that they go to a fire or the car accident or whatever it may be the thing is is they've never seen anything like that in their entire life okay and and this is a, a problem that i've had with a lot of higher ups is being able to relate that to them that these aren't the kids that are out building dirt jumps in their backyard with a shovel 
and watching their buddies get broken collarbones and and facial reconstruction from from um you know missing the double and all that stuff growing up right they are not those children so relatively they have zero experience in any of this stuff and you know you can you can blame recruitment you can blame all these things but like i said i stay out of those wheelhouses because it ain't me and i don't want it to be me but what i'm saying is is now they're here okay and if if that is an issue then we need to address it and and that's kind of what we're working on right now through peer support is really getting these people the help that they need to have a successful career because they're already they've already done all this work they've gone through the you know the process and and background checks and and drill tower and all this stuff they've made it to the field and and now i i feel that you know we if we're really gonna you know throw them throw them out there then we need to we need to prepare them and we need to give them some some armor um for lack of a better term but give them some armor to to deal with it and and to to deal with it successfully um and so you get a better employee a better person a happier person and they can have a successful long career um and, and so that's that's really kind of the the issue um of the day um for me um is being spreading that message that it's it's not what it used to be um as far as the relatability for these younger members when these things happen you know because you you know everybody attra uh, attributes you know the big incidents where somebody passes away or um, you know line of duty death or you know a significant incident at a fire or whatever but it doesn't necessarily have to be that to impact these people and you know the knee jerk reaction from from management is the fact that like oh you know people are taking advantage of this and all that stuff and and yes of course there's some of that is true right but you got to let people lay in the bed that they make right and and it's you, you can say the same thing for back injuries no offense but you, you can say things for you know all those injuries you know per people that get you know christmas meniscus every year and they go off you know december because their knees hurting and all that stuff that they take advantage of the system that's fine it is what it is but what my thing is is, is don't ruin the system um for those rare occasions that people do take advantage of it when we have people out there hurting and and really start to bring these people along to where they have the tools and the numbers and all these things um to get them on on track so we can have they can have a successful career they can have you know a, a successful life and and home life um and so that's that's really been kind of you know over the last couple months kind of stuff that's been thrown on my you know quote unquote desk um it, is that aspect and getting that messaging out there um because it's it's a huge it's a huge issue and uh and i think it's uh it's you know something that needs to be done in, sooner than later for sure man <laughs> all said now i think for myself like you know none of the call i mean i would say none of the calls but some of the calls i've been on like that were so you know crazy or whatever traumatic you know a lot of the stuff never affected me personally you know i know myself and I just know I have to. I have a job and a duty to to do, and that those are the incidences where I want to be involved because I know I'm putting my, myself in a position to do the best I can do, and I feel good in that moment. You know, it's like acting within this reaction of something that's happening that's crazy, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. 
But for me, it was a lot of my, my own childhood stuff I had to face that was later down the road I had to I had to look at. That was the stuff for me personally that, that caused me harm, that I was carrying wounds into the job. So to, to, you know, truth is relative, you know, how we see it, you know, like you're saying, like it may not bother one, what may bother one person may not bother another person. And however, if you're going to work through your life, you have to discover what that is for you and pay attention to it and focus on that. And I know one of the only things on the job that affected me was working with a captain who disrespected me. And that was one of the hardest things because normally if it was not a supervisor, I would talk shit back, (laughs) you know, and instead I had to eat it, Mm -hmm. which was hard for me. So there was like this fine line of being disrespected and not having to come back with a response and just eating the shit stick as they say. So that, I think that was one of the only things on the job that, that bothered me, um, mentally, emotionally. And, and, um, I had to look at that and to see ultimately the way I view my life is everything is a mirror. So everything is reflecting back to me how I feel internally. So that was something I had to look at as well. Okay. So in the end, I was not really showing myself respect. And so that was, uh, uh, something I had to kind of unravel, I guess, you know, it's like when you pull the string of something, it's going to unravel the rest. Mm-hmm. And, it, and a lot of times that's like, um, really painful sometimes because I mean, I don't know if you'll ever listen to Weezer, but like the sweater song, it's yeah, like exactly. pull the string as I walk away, I lay, lay down naked. Mm-hmm. It's like being naked and vulnerable is really hard. But in the end, you know, if, if, like I had said earlier, like you live in your truth, man. And, uh, and, and, you know, you're doing more <laughs> than that. You're doing, all right, let's look at this entirety uh, this thing as an entire whole with how do we assess everyone and, uh, how do we give them the truth? And on top of that, help them, um, adjust to this environment at the same time. And then also you have members who are just, um, they will take, so much pain until like uh, something, an illness or a serious incident um, really hurt them until they ask for help, which is where we're trying to find, especially as a peer support uh, team member, mm-hmm. you're trying to get people to, you know, ask for help when they, before they get to that point. And that's one of the hardest things for us in our line of work is, okay, well, that's why we got to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves about before we get to that point, what's going on? Am I drinking too much? You know, am I working too much where I'm not even at home to where my kids don't even know me anymore? Right. So these are the, the really important points where we're kind of headed. And as like, I, I mean, doing the peer support group training was really eye-opening to see like, you know, cause there's a lot more compassion in the way you talk to people and you're ultimately just listening to people, which in the end, I think people just want to be heard, man. They want to just be heard, you know, whatever's going on in their life and they want to express. But for us, I think a lot of times we don't even want to speak mm-hmm. of what's happening inside because we're afraid of what people are going to think, you know, especially if someone has a lot of time on, you know, 20, 30 years, there's a lot of shame in speaking out about how they truly feel because it seems weak or small. That's not true. And I think we're exploding out of that paradigm because, for someone like yourself to say, you know what, I don't, I think there's something going on. You know, I'm at this point where I don't even, I have like an ear or I have like a a ringing in my ear and I can't even hear anymore. So it's like, you got, it took you to that point to where you had to say there's something going on. 
and it took you down this path now that's now led you on this journey of helping others you know so uh, i think the biggest message is take that inner inventory with yourself to see what's going on and i think that starts with like journaling you know certain practices that really help and um, giving yourself a bit more compassion and because you're not this big strong person in this career that can just do it all Mm -hmm. and when you take uh, a glimpse at that and you give yourself a bit bit more of that compassion you can see more and it's going to show in your relationships it's going to show in your career it's going to show in your friendships and that really shows a lot to where people will start seeing a difference and say hey what's going on you have friends and family asking you you're like hey i'm just journaling you know i'm just really um taking a bit more of a a magnifying glass to i guess my integrity you know and um that shows a lot and even the having your your daughter you know become the one of your greatest teachers to show you compassion is beautiful Mm -hmm. because you know that's that's a huge thing you don't want to have your daughter now take on what you've brought home from work it's like it's a big deal and i know i've I've done that at my own home where I have to sit with my, my girlfriend's daughter and she's nine and she's super (laughs) just emotional and it's taught me so much about myself. And, you know, I just have to bring a bit more compassion to that as well. It's like, she's my greatest teacher. You know, she shows me how to be more imaginative than just being so logical all the time. Um, But in the end, dude, you know, we have to come back to our humanization, how you were expressing like, let's go back to the root of all of all this is like family, you know, and the biggest thing is unifying that and coming from you, dude, I know being at a station in an area you've been in, and I know we wanted to talk about this before, but you know, being in South LA for 20 years, that's gnarly, dude. Like <laughs> I've worked in like South LA for a little bit amount of time. And that was the first time I had reached my, my burnout because the call volume is so it's it's too much you know to where um you know you're not sleeping and you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing you know and in this line of work you're pulling out every single drug every single medicine every single iv you need to do every single tool off the truck or the engine to do this job but for 20 years man (laughs) you know that really weighs on you but i really want to give you a high mouse high amount of respect and honor for that Mm -hmm. because it's not a lot of people do it you know oh well i wouldn't recommend it obviously uh (laughs) I mean, I, I I made the best of it um, for the opportunity that I that I got, um, but it did it did drive me off the edge, you know, and and not that it was what caused it or anything like that, but it was definitely uh, a piece of that. Um, but that's the thing is I I love and and I try to say it every time that it starts going down a, a negative path because it's so easy to go down, you know, all the things that are wrong. Um, is that I truly love this job um, of what I do day in and day out, um, and I love doing the job. Um, and and so that's the one thing that it's <clears throat> one thing that uh, you know a busy area provides is the fact that you get challenged every day. Um, every day you're you're challenged of um, to have you know to really like like I always uh, say is you know chase that perfection um, and constantly be around people that are that want to you know be busy because there's no there's no hiding there's no hiding from it and and so you you get into that mindset of of trying to chase perfection all the time and then being around 
um, high energy individuals that that are doing the same thing you're doing and you're playing off each other and you're working around um, you know great people and you hold each other accountable um, but then all, at the end of the day having that level of busyness and craziness um, when you're in a when you're in a team environment doing that I mean it's it's uh, it's like winning the Super Bowl since we just passed that. I mean, it, it really is. Like, it, it, it's truly, um, you know, and we've had people come through over the years um, that, that were ex-military, um, you know, and, and that's what they would tell me after they promoted out. Um, they would say, you know, this is the closest knit family I have second to my own. Um, and, and that's really what that um, that looks like. And I try to, you know, cherish it and, and really build it up um, because one, it's necessary um, to to do what we do um, day in and day out at a busy level with no sleep and all that stuff. Because all that no sleep does is it adds one more stressor on on how good your game is. Because um, you know most people can think clearly and you know think through problems at two in the afternoon, um, but when it's you know two three in the morning, um, it's got to be automatic. And the only way that you make it automatic is by by practicing thousands of times and uh and so that's that's the chase that i that i truly love um and having been there in the same rank um you know i've been a uh i've been there for almost 19 years um collectively i was there as a firefighter for five years and then went to medic school about almost 14 years ago um but uh and i've been there ever since but uh so but being playing that role there and people are like oh man you should promote you need to you could do so much more, um, you know. I, I say no, um, and not not that you know I, I wouldn't mind the money or the retirement or anything like that. But it's the role that I play, um, the role that I play there, um, and even here, and in this sense, you know, if if you want to talk about journeys, um, could I have been as relatable as I am now in this space that I'm in? if I would have promoted early, no. Right. And so it's, it's all for something. Um, and I truly believe that. Um, and, and so my thing is, is I love training. I love teaching people. I get no greater joy than the day that the light clicks on for whatever they're trying to accomplish, whether it's, you know, a, a certification or, you know, a promotion, uh, or just a simple task that that they'd been working up to um, and and to see that light really come on or that Go to that first fire or that first incident that we'd been drilling on and have all of the pieces fall into place and, and and really see that light bulb come on and and they go. Oh, that's that's what it looks like um, That that's where I find true joy in um, in the job and so you know as long as people show up and they they want to learn and they want to you know be great at this job um then i'll be there to teach them um and i and I, I truly you know there's a great group of people around that place um and it's uh it's it's a, an honor to work there and uh it's just an, an honor to be a part of so, so many people's journeys um through the fire service and uh and being able to to kind of set their foundation up at that station because it's uh you talk about the busyness and the craziness it's it's really where where you can really hone your skills simply for the amount of times you do it a day. Yeah, and there's a specific tradition at the firehouse you're at for sure. 
I mean, Fire Station 33 is known to be um, what they call Fire City, right? And it has a, a specific, I guess, traditional way they, they live their life. Um, I'm, I've only worked there a couple of times. Um, and just to be in that area as well, to stick to those traditional ways of living, um, it's, it's very specific, you know? <laughs> so I don't know if, so why, why do they even call it Fire City? Uh, well, the official official story is uh, back in uh, in the seventies. Uh, the station opened in nineteen seventy one, um, but uh, back in the seventies, um, they were basically doing a press conference um, at the station, and uh, they the basically they'd gotten the stats um, for that station because they were basically promoting the new station or whatever, and uh, and the new stats had made it to the what they would call the chief engineer at the time, um, which is the fire chief now. Um, but, uh, and, he, and basically it became fire city because they had a banner out front because it had the highest number of fires, um, in the city at that time. Um, and then it was basically deemed fire city and it's been ever since, even though, you know, through the years, the administration has, has kind of nixed the names and all that stuff. The, and then they kind of go away and they come back, but, uh, it's, it's always been there, um, for the, 20 so years that i've been there um and it's 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 a sense of pride um you know uh, all the stigmas aside and and if anybody's ever been assigned there um and had a a bad time um i'm sorry um and and i really truly am um you know and and what i mean by that is the fact that it's it's the opportunity um to to do your job and do it well and obviously i've learned a ton over the years of how to how to uh, both um, professionally and competently teach people. Um, and I've made mistakes over the years on how I did that. And uh, that's one thing that through this journey of mental health um, it, and, and having kids and, and a successful marriage uh, has really taught me a lot in, in how to teach people um, and how to come alongside them um, and make it the best learning environment I could. I, I can't, I can't speak to uh in the past um, because it was definitely a lot different um, even when I first got there. Um, but that being said, um, the biggest thing is, is is to surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, so wherever you're at in the job, um, whatever rank or whatever you um, see yourself in five years, surround yourself by around people that not only challenge you every day, um, to be better, um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, on the fire ground or anything like that. I hope so, but what I mean is, is to hold yourself accountable um, to being a good person, and and you know, I'm not getting religious here. What I mean by that is, is ultimately to the patients, um, and and I'm not, once again, I'm not being a cheerleader for this city, but what I'm saying is, is is take your job seriously, um, and. And whether that be with the fire ground aspect or with the patient, and and for me, the one thing, and you asked me how I've worked there so long and so busy and so crazy, um, is because I treat every patient the same, right, with the same level of respect. And I know people talk about that all the time, like, oh yeah, you treat them like your family members, um, but I really hold that true. And and my thing is 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 anybody who's ever worked around me. Um, is no matter if it's three in the morning or three in the afternoon, I treat people the exact same. I give them the same level of care. 
um, and it doesn't matter to me, um, you know, what your your social status is or where you live or how you live, um, is I, tr I take every patient as an opportunity to use my skills. And, and so, you know, and I, and I get it, guys get burnt out and, and they, they get, you know, frustrated and all that stuff for the, you know, fourth time going to the same address or whatever. And, and that all being said, it's things that are out of your control, right? Thing that is in your control is if you're feeling burnt out, then it's time for a change, right? It's time for a change, whether that's, you know, job title, place that you're, uh, uh, station that you're at. Um, amount of work that you're doing, right? Or amount of overtime days you're working. But uh, something needs to change because that should be um, something that, that you regard because if the original reason you got on this job was to be, you know, do something good for society and you feel that that's slipping away, um, then it's time for a change for yourself, um, you know, to, to bring back that purpose-driven life because what you'll find is the people that treat <laughs> treat patients uh, poorly or have bad bedside manner or treat their coworkers poorly it obviously it or it evidently comes back to that personal's that person's personal journey and where they're at in life um and it's it's almost 100 percent as far as the um examples i can do in my head of of people i've i've met over the years um and it's you know it's really part of that that's that self awareness that if you feel yourself like that it's time for a change um, whether that be in the way that you're handling your stress whether that be with your station life your home life or a combination of all those things and really challenge yourself to do it um just just like we've we've talked about already like there's so much information out there um and there's so many um opportunities to do things and uh there's no there's no excuse anymore um to not to not be, um, you know, really finding joy, you know, like I talked about in the first podcast, finding joy at home and at work. Um, there really isn't, um, because there's so many different things that you can do to, to make, to facilitate that. Yeah, man. And even just to paint a picture with, of South LA, I mean, it is one of the most financial struggling people in this nation. And when I first started working there, um, luckily I worked with, uh, another black man who grew up in that area. So he taught me all about South LA. And so it was a really cool experience and we're still like really good friends to this day. And he really showed me like he, he had to do so much just to get out of that area and to do something. And working through the area really brought a lot of uh, limelight to the, the situation going on as far as these people are just surviving and it is very interesting to watch. And most of these people, especially their children, they will keep living in the same cycle because they don't know how to get out. And it's really interesting as, as far as like a anthropologic perspective. And I, I, I view this stuff all the time when I'm working, you know, I just- Can I, can I use the restroom real quick? Oh yeah, for sure, man. I know this is a pain for your <laughs> You're editing. good, dude. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I really <laughs> want to listen to this, but I, I'm gonna pee my pants. You're good, man. All right, hold on one sec. <laughs> So yeah, like I was saying. <laughs> and just a more so, like I say all this stuff with highest respect for the people who grew up in there and the South LA because I'm Hispanic myself, and most of the people who 
work in South LA are Hispanic and African American. So I would say without a doubt, that's the population that we're working with in South LA. And it's highly populated on top of that. People are living on top of each other. And it's such an interesting way to live when you're just living to survive. And I know the way I grew up, I lived to survive. Uh, my family worked two full-time jobs just to help me you know, get out of the slums as well. And it was, it was a lot to witness and it was a high amount of respect for me to escape my, my own family's struggles to do a job like this. So I see this job as being a firefighter, as being a paramedic, as an honor because my family knows how hard they worked to get me out of a place they were in uh, from my family, not even graduating college. So um, highest amount of respect to the, the people who do go through um, this lifestyle of surviving and then escaping the ability to survive, to being able to pay your bills, to being able to pay for your groceries. It is, um, it is, it's hard and being able to escape survival is, is really beautiful. But by the same token, you know, I think by being in, by working in a place like South LA where survival is the number one thing people do. And it's really hard to watch when they don't understand health and they're constantly in this cycle of, of trying to find out what to do. My man. It's like a million bucks. Oh. Dude, it's the worst thing, man, when you got to take a piss during a podcast. <laughs> you're, you're just hurting, man. Concentrate, dude. You're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I really care. I really care. Yeah. But, dude, South LA, again, man, is like, it's an interesting, if you look at it from that point, you know, I, I was seeing it like that. And, and I just remember being in a house, taking care of a, 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 a super nice old lady, right? But in the room, everyone is dressed in red. And so I was like, asking my partner like hey what's going on he's like oh this is a uh, this is piru street so you're <laughs> you're in the blood neighborhood so i got uh, you know education education on you know like gangs and in specific areas of the city there are maps that shows you where each gang is from uh, which is pretty interesting and i thought it was crazy you know to be in you know when you hear rap songs or whatever them talking about this but i was in these environments and it wasn't a joke you know it was not a joke at all then you have to be super respectful um and it, there's something about these people own this town you know what i mean they they have a pride for it and these neighborhoods as well but you know something about south la is like something he taught me as well is that african americans are um, genetically inclined to have hypertension and diabetes so when he told me that he's like i'm super careful about the food I, I feed my children and stuff because we are, you know, genetically inclined for this. And I never knew that. And most of the calls in that area are diabetes and hypertension. And you look around the area and you're trying to see, okay, well, what are we feeding these people? There's Jack in the Box on every single corner. And they don't even have, like, yeah, maybe one grocery food store to shop from. And it's probably food for less, which is probably the most disgusting <laughs> grocery store you got to shop at but dude that's that is that to me was a huge um moment where i realized like wow these people are are so sick 
and they're genetically inclined to be even more sick. And they, how do they get out of this? You know, and, and just hearing from him, the way he taught me um, is that he said, it's a trap. It's a trap. And to get out of this trap is really hard. And I just had so much, um, uh, I guess, respect for him because he was able to escape it, you know, by having a job like this that he could now provide for his family or to pay for bills and not have to worry about that stuff, living in survival. And I thought that was really beautiful. It was, that was the, my beginning of my career that led me into, you know, seeing things from different perspectives. And, and it's a cool thing to have people from different cultures that work with you as well that teach you this stuff, which is one of my favorite things about this job is that you learn so much and from usually not from, you know, from my phone or it's just personal relationships, which I cherish the most. Um, but one of the things that really got to me was I was in working in South LA and there was like a call I went on and this, this woman was, uh, she was just a diabetic keto, uh, ketogenic shock, right? And she had two babies on the floor that were toddlers and she was out for, I don't know how long. And these kids were laying there in like this really beat down apartment. And I just remember being on that call and it made me really sick to my stomach. And I just, I will never forget that moment. I was just thinking like, this is what people grow up in. You know, I just, I will never forget that moment, man. And I was pretty, I was younger, you know, to, to see that. And I just know growing up, my parents didn't have much either. And I just, I just really honor people who just get out of it, you know, cause it's, it's really tough. And especially when we, we take things for granted, I think. Um, and without a doubt, it, it just brings a lot of into perspective, um, especially in that area. But I guess the entirety of LA too. I mean, the area I work in now is really poor. And it's just funny to see also the cultures that are in, in different pockets of the city that you're working in. Because I think it's just, um, it changes and it shifts without a doubt. Um, I don't know. What do you think, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it brought up a lot of good points. Uh, you know, first, first off, uh, you talk about the respect thing and that, and that's one thing that I learned early on down there, um, is how important, um, respect is, um, and how that's when you have, when you have nothing, um, respect is all that you have left. Um, and, and some, that's something that I learned early on in the, in the job being down there young, um, I learned that pretty much right away because every time a, a call would go sideways, it was because somebody disrespected somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you basically create or begin to kind of survive by, you know, as long as you treat me with respect, I'm going to treat you with respect. And there's that mutual respect. And, and really there's a lot of successful outcomes from that um, on a patient level, on a family member level. Um, that you see on a regular, you know, EMS call that as long as you keep it on the level, regardless of what's going on, right? Regardless of whether it's a drug deal gone bad, whether it's a, um, an incident of, um, you know, that you don't necessarily, you know, like, um, you know, like I'm talking about like a, you know, a pimp beating up a, um, one of his prostitutes or whatever, like that's all stuff that we deal with on a daily basis there. And it's real, right? But as long as you have a mutual respect um, for that patient and what they do, not you know looking down on anybody, because um, that's one thing that'll get me fired up pretty quick. Um, because that elitist attitude, 
um it, it just doesn't fly with me um and so that's more on an ems level is is those relationships um the one that really um is important to me as well um as as for, um in addition to patient care is is the fire aspect um and and so and and one of the things that fuels um that perfection um in that specific area um is the fact that what's in that 600 square foot house is all they have they don't have a you know safety deposit box they don't have storage units they don't have any of that everything that they own and they cherish is in that house and so when we go to a fire at that house and we do a good job or we do a great job and there's not one drop of excess water on that floor or we cover everything before we we pull ceiling um, and we do a proper attic fire operation um, where we can take out all of our salvage covers at the end and they can live in that that night um, that's where the perfection comes into play is because you're providing the highest level of care because they don't they don't have insurance they don't like what is in there is in there and and yes you know you you can't directly affect how those children are raised um, or or the life that they live but you know what you can do is when they're called for a reason whether that be medical or fire right you give them a plus service um, because to them that's the the worst day of their life and you want to make it um, a little less um, than that and and so that's uh, I'm trying to paraphrase better but that that's kind of the the theme of, of kind of how we do things there. Um, and then it's, uh, it's predicated just by the, the sheer number of the times you do it. Um, you know, and, and, and to some people that's, that's more than they care to do. Um, and for me, it's just, uh, it's now became, you know, the way of doing business as far as like, I just want to do, you know, the highest amount of calls cause it gives me the greatest opportunity to provide, um, to provide for people the you know the best that I can do, um, and, and so it's you know I, I don't want it to to come off as cocky or pompous um, because that's not what I mean by that. Um, my thing is is it's like you asked me what drives me, and that's that's what drives me is it's it's the chase for perfection um, to to make it to where you go on the call and it goes perfect. You go on the next call it goes perfect, and and then that repetitive perfection. And then teaching other people to do it as well, um, and bringing them along um, for the ride because it's uh, it's a fun ride and uh, it's super rewarding when uh, when everything goes right every time um, and it's it's an endless pursuit because it's it, it never goes the same it never goes perfect so um, but uh, an, another thing that you um, had brought up um, was was just like the the general you know city that we work in and all that stuff and all the naysayers and, and everything like that and it, you can go on forever about that um but the big thing for me is you know we have you know the the busiest uh what do they call it the, the smallest amount of people in the busiest city uh in the country um and it's like yeah once again above my pay grade um we could live in the negativity of all of that and what's wrong with the world and all that stuff um, but I think if you stay in your lane um, and your three-foot circle, as they say, and you really start to understand like how you can make yourself better, how you can make the people around you better, um, whether it be you know the hardest part is yourself, 
that you need to work on or or the people at your station the relationships on your shift or the other shift um and then and then just keep expanding that um because i think when it when it comes down to it um it's the the people on either side of you um you know just like they say in the military but it, it really is it's the people around you um and when you go through your life and and life happens you know the marriages and the babies and the and the barbecues and the and the uh you know desert trips river trips mountain trips whatever you're into um those are the things that that are lasting memories um for for yourself uh for your family and for your kids um as well and and i think that's that's really what we need to get back to um is having that tribe like you said and then you go okay going forward you know this all sounds great and and nice and you know hunky-dory but like what are what are we going to do going forward and i think um the biggest thing that we can do is like you said is be honest right and and have more people that that speak out um to their story um and and not you know not like we need 100 people telling you know stories about all the calls that go on but what i mean by that is it's just the openness um, to be honest with yourself, be honest with the people around you, and and really, you know, be open to change. If if you aren't, you know, if you're not the person that's that's thriving right now and uh, and going through life like man, everything is great. It's a perfect amount of work that I'm working, perfect amount of money in my bank account, my relationship with my significant other is great. Um, or you know I'm I'm slanted on Tinder or whatever whatever your floats your boat right, but but you're really truly you know winning in all aspects. Awesome, share how you're doing it with your buddies, right? But then also if you're not, then be willing to change, because like we talked about at the beginning, there's too much information out there. There's too many things, and you can call them you know hocus pocus. You can call them you know the flavor of the week. Or you know the latest snake oil and all that stuff, but but this stuff really works. Whether it's placebo or not, I don't really care. What I what I can tell you, and like the old timers always ask me about, you know, all the woo woo stuff I talk about. Whether it's red light, whether it's cold plunge, whether it's the sauna, whether it's yoga, like um, all these different things. Um, uh, what do you call it? Grounding mats. Um, they go, does this stuff really work? And I go, does it matter? I go, at the end of the day, does it really matter? I go, yes, I can show you science after science after science um, research data that'll, that'll tell you it works. But I go, at the end of the day, if it makes me feel the way that I feel, then it's a win. Whether that's the money that I spent on it, whether that's the, the time alone that I, that I sit in it, um, whatever it is, it's working. So, and, and, and that's kind of the you know, the brass tax answer that I give people because it's like, you know, everybody wants to sell you everything nowadays, especially if it's as simple as including it in your feed and Instagram, but it's, it's, it's about what works. And, and if you find something that works then share it with your friends. Um, and if, if you're not thriving like that, um, then, then speak up. Um, and, and really, you know, I challenge everyone to, you know, reach out to, to their buddies. Um, and even if everything's going good, you know, you're not going to bug them. Like we're, 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 we got so entrenched in this, this, you know, separatist lifestyle of, Oh, I don't want to bug them. They're probably busy. You know, 
yeah, they're busy. They're on their seventh episode on Netflix binge. Like <laughs> they they can hang out, right? They got nothing else going on. And and but really, you know, challenge yourself to to set up those emotionally supportive relationships, and uh, and and really just you know cultivate them and and really because that is what gets you through all of this. Whether you're talking about the job, whether you're talking about probation, whether you're talking about you know life in general, and and you know what got me off on this tangent is just talking about the city like i mean you can sit for 50 hours and and talk about how crappy the city is um shoot i used to vacation to the downtown la <laughs> every year for the x games like i i i mean that 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 tells you everything and that was only like 15 years ago that i used to do that and spend a week in downtown just hanging out you know going to the bars and museums and it was awesome you know and and so but you go well where do we go from here and that's where we go where we go is we, you know, you, you focus on each other, ourselves, our relationships, and then, you know, everything else will, will come with that. Um, and it's, it's about, you know, really focusing on, on uh, people that, you know, are like you, that think like you, and even if they don't, and kind of go into your point about diverse, diverse um, hiring and personnel, um, you know, nothing, nothing, or, you know, some things don't beat um, when a person from my own first in, um, that's been my first in for, like I said, almost 19 years, um, goes through probation and then comes to the station, you know, and, and he got hired and he works right down the street, or he lives, he grew up right down the street from the station. And uh, that's pretty awesome because, like you say, they don't get out very much um, because it is a is a broken system and that's a whole other conversation. But, um and, and so it, it does happen, right? And 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 he's actually on the job right now, and uh, and then the crazier part of that story is the fact that he said that uh, he remembers uh, me responding when his dad had a heart attack, and uh, and I'm the one that took him to the hospital. So it's no matter what you think about where you work or the people that you're going on, um, it makes a difference. And and when you least expect it, there's somebody watching. And, and you could be influencing, you know, somebody to get out of that horrible situation. And so I, you know, that's one of the things that, <laughs> that, uh, that I really come to respect is, is the fact that as insignificant as you may feel, um, there's people watching you just like you brought up, you know, the kids, kids waving at you as you drive by, like, you know, you're, you're influenced on a lot of people by what we do. Um, and, and so take pride in that. Um, because it uh, it makes a, it makes a big impact that you may not see for many years if you ever see it at all, but uh, but it's out there. Yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, I think uh, it's just so all the practices, right? They can everyone's always asking me, you know, different questions about what I do, you know, what may, what helps me. And it, it changes. That's the biggest answer I can give. And and people ask me too, like, well, what's, what do you think is the answer to behavioral health? I was like, there's not one answer, you know. So it's it's each individual and their individual self to make that choice for themselves if they want to change. And things are always in flux, and they're always going to change. And that's why I don't just do a cold plunge. You no, know, I do I do a cold plunge and a sauna here and there. I just I switch it up. You know, I don't just always journal. It's going to always change based off how I ask myself those questions. What do I need right now? Mm -hmm. 
And I just, I just stick to that intuitive sense with myself to know what I need. Because no one's going to tell you what you need. And if someone does, you're going to resist it. So the biggest thing is, is like, you know, there's a, a quote I like to follow that a hundred sayings is worth one doing. So like, just do your thing. And people are going to notice a difference and you're going to ask you, hey, what are you doing? I don't get it because you seem way more happier, way more lighter. You lost a lot of weight. What's going on? And it's just like changes to certain things like your diet or the way you adjust your life based off the day before or the day occurring as of right now. So, you know, this podcast is based on giving so many different ways of how you can adjust your mental health. It might work for someone. It might not work for someone else. I mean, the last episode we have was uh, a woman who's a medium, you know, who does like Reiki on people. It's like, right. that's not going to work for 80% of the members in our department. All you need is one, though. All you need is one yeah. and that, that gets help from energy work. And, and, and to your point, you look at any successful, whether it be peer support, um, like, you know, the best one I know of or I've seen is San Diego City Fire. Um, but you look at all of those successful things, mental health, the one thing they all have going for them is messaging. And what it is is getting as much information out as possible because who am I to dictate what works for you or what, you know, what's going to work for you? Uh, like, I'm, I'm no professional, but what I can do is I can be a conduit for messaging of, let me show you a thousand different things. And then, you know, I always go back to, you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, you're intuitive enough and have enough education on the subject to be like, hey, you know what? I'm a little up this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little harder on on journaling, or I you know I'm I got a really busy mind. I got too many windows open right now. Let me go ahead and you know shut a couple of these down by kind of processing them through through journaling, right? Um, because you've you've practiced that. My thing is is that it's the messaging aspect of like telling them everyone all of them and going, hey, whatever floats your boat. You know, try one, try all of them. And the crazy thing that you find is when people have the courage to try things, try new things, um, then it's, uh, it's, it's fun to, have, to watch them come back to you and be like, dude, game changer, right? <laughs> and, and it's always something interesting, yeah. right? Because they always tweak it a little bit um, to fit their scheduling or whatever. And, and, and so it's just super cool to see. Um, but that's you know going forward. That's that's the biggest thing is just to you know the it started with the PowerPoint of the foundation and then now it's it's worked into basically you know the messaging aspect, getting people out there, getting people you know vocal about helping each other, and then you know obviously the the future is right now you know um, looks pretty bright. Um, I, love to be an optimist on this um but uh you know of of peer support going forward and and getting better and more you know having less fallouts as they say um you know mistakes um and just being able to really kind of put back um just put put back into people's um thoughts that that somebody does care and it may be the first time in their life that that somebody's reached out to them and and told them that they care about them um and and that's super humbling when that happens i'll tell you that um but but don't be afraid to 
don't be don't be afraid or hesitant that you're going to do it wrong because as long as you're general genuine and truthful um then you're going to do it right dude being genuine and authentic is one of the most the greatest gifts you can give yourself because you, I mean, for me, I would always say, beware pretenders. You know, like, no one likes the teacher's pet, man. Like, just be yourself. And when someone can can really show their truest self, uh, that's what I love the best. And those are my, all my friends and the people I keep close to myself have that quality because I learn from them. And they become, like, mentors to me in the end because they, they teach me things of how to do that for myself as well. And... I think the more genuine you can be, it's, it's just, it shows so much more because you can just grab onto that and you know you can trust that person too. And the more genuine you can be is, is just, it, it's going to spread, especially if you're in this line of work. You know, if you're a genuine and you know you can go to that person when something's going on and talk to them openly about something going on in your personal life or what's going on in your thoughts or how you feel about something. It's uh, it it's a quality that I think most people have in our in our line of work, you know, and I think that's why people trust us to come into your home and do whatever, put all these patches on your chest and like take you down in some random ambulance to the hospital. You know, there's a lot there's a trust factor in that, and you know if you can live your life with yourself at home with that same quality, because some people forget how to do that at home, and I think people. How get exhausted for doing that at a work and then to bring that home it, it causes more exhaustion so i think that can cause a lot of uh turbulence when you're at home because all you want to do is just chill and not do anything because you're always in that place of having to to do that mm-hmm. and there, there's definitely a balance and uh, communication and transparency effort when you're at home to make sure everyone knows you got to decompress I know that's one of the things we talked about or you had talked about. Um, we talked about before, just like decompress. You have to. There's no, I mean, I know I have to recharge because I'm going to shut down if I don't do that. And so that's why we're going to have to find, you're going to have to find personally your own practices or things that you, your qualities for yourself, you have to find to know yourself better, to recharge, to be able to perform at home because you can't let your home just just shatter, you know. When you gotta, if you if your work life is you know at this high uh, point on a pedestal, you know, there I think home life is way more important. And I, I had a, a classmate who hated his dad who was on the job because he never saw him. And I just remember thinking to myself, I was like, I never want that for myself. And I just wanted to make sure I balance it, you know, because it's it's hard. It's one of the most challenging things. Um, what do you think is, well, what, what brought you to your breaking point the last few years when you like had to go through everything? Wow. That's a, that's a loaded question. Just to speak on just one (laughs) final moment before I get into that one, uh, talking about being genuine, um, and a direct relation to that, um, is how you learn on the job, right? So being genuine, when you go to that incident and you screw up, Make sure that you tell everyone in your team um, at your station, what have you, during the post-fire critique of the mistakes that you made um, because that sows seeds that go a long way past, I forgot the floor runner or I forgot to 
to grab the right ladder or whatever the case may be. Um, it sows seeds of trust um, because you can be honest and, and it starts there. Um, so don't lie to yourself, but then also don't be fearful to um, exploit your mistakes, um, even on a fire ground, because it, it definitely um, starts to build that relationship to where you can get somebody to open up later on um, if, you've sh if you've shown that you're you know, trustworthy and genuine with, um, with the mistakes that you've made personally. Um, so what, let me get the exact verbiage that you wanted right there. <laughs> what, what led to what now? Your breaking point, man. My breaking point. Okay. Well, obviously like your breaking point to where you are now on this different trajectory in your career towards focusing on peer support, showing others about, you know, the, the truth behind behavioral health, um, as far as this idea that was presented prior, like one page of, you know, okay, suicide awareness and, uh, make sure you speak up or, you know, all that bullshit yeah. you wanted to cut through. Yeah. Um, well, the biggest thing that that's really led to, you know, the odyssey that I'm on, um, because it's, I, I speak to it as an odyssey simply for the fact that, uh, there's no clear, um, there's no clear end, um, because it's, you know, the sky's the limit on this. Um, but it really started with after I reached my breaking point at home, um, when it, you know, it got real dark and, uh, you know, like I, I spoke to in the, the first, uh, podcast, um, you know, there were, you know, habitual, um, suicidal thoughts, um, and, uh, and to where, you know, the complete detachment from home life, um, from my relationships, um, and then the fact that the resiliency kept it where I was able to come to work and, and still do my job. Um, it wasn't with the brightness, um, that I'd done it before that I do it now, um, because I'd kind of shut it all down and just went with brass tacks. And fortunately for me, it was, um, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, working in that busy environment, it, it kept the, you know, kept the demons away, um, when I was at work. Um, but I was completely shut down. Um, and so when, when the bottom finally fell out, um, and I started going to a clinician and, uh, really, you know, opening up the, the skeleton's box, um, as it were, um, it wasn't, well, first off, I want to say it wasn't easy. Okay. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely, it definitely gets harder before it gets better. Um, and that's kind of with everything, you know, whether you're going through a divorce, whether you're going through a tough, you know, a tough time with relationships or your personal life, um, or personal self, I should say, um, it, it always gets harder at first, um, because you're, you're learning things that are new. You're learning either, you know, tools that you don't have or, or things about yourself that aren't comfortable. Um, and, and so it gets, it gets a lot harder. Um, but if you have that, if you take that resilience that allows you to do the job we do and you put it into yourself and ultimately the biggest thing that people do this job for is their family and you, you, you really drive home the fact that you're doing it for them, 
if you don't want to do it for yourself at first, um, do it for them, you know, and, and do it for the people beside you. Um, and then it, it slowly creeps into where you start doing it for yourself. Um, because it's, that's ultimately the, the root of all the problems is yourself. Um, but it takes, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of therapy to, to get to that, that, uh, top of that mountain. Um, because, uh, there's a lot of excuses that come into play and, uh, and that, that victim mentality of it's everyone else's fault. And, uh, and it's not my fault. Um, that so often is predicated everywhere. Um, but to really know yourself, and I'm sure there's a philosopher somewhere that said this, but, uh, you know, to truly know oneself is, is, is knowledge. And, and, and that's, it, that's how it works. And, and this whole mental health thing is about knowing yourself, knowing your limitations and, and being willing to take that risk to learn new things. And that's, that's what I did. And I'm not, like I said, once again, I'm not being pompous or, or trying to, you know, tell you that I'm an amazing person and all that stuff. Cause I'm not, that's, that's at all not what I'm doing. Um, what I'm saying is, is it's possible. So if you're in a situation right now where you're, you know, just, just going in circles, you know, you're having, you know, to use a fancy word to cognitive distortions, right? Where your brain's trying to protect itself. It's trying to, you know, lie to you of, about reaching out. Like they're just going to make fun of me. My wife's not going to give it, give a shit, you know, I, I just won't say nothing, you know, and, and then there's all these things throughout the day that keep giving you clues. Um, and we don't need to talk about where those clues come from, but there's all these things throughout the day where you're like, man, I could say something right now. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And, and you, and you keep counting yourself out. Um, what I'm saying is if that's you and you're listening to this podcast right now, do it, do it. And if you need help doing it, call me and we'll figure it out um, because that's that's the true step in the right direction is when you start believing in yourself again um, and believing that you can do it and and because those cognitive distortions that brain gets going and you start trying to protect yourself or what you perceive as yourself and you start putting up walls you start going away from the people that care about you and you basically create this own hell that you live in that the only thing that's left to do is to kill yourself because there's you mean nothing to no one right and that can't be further from the truth but that's something that that will happen if you do um if you find yourself in that and so that's 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 really what what led me to the solutions and and when my clinicians started rolling through these solutions I, it was it was a light bulb moment where i was like this is so simple i don't understand how nobody has ever told me this stuff before how, how nobody has laid it out very simply about this is what we do this is what we how we think this is what traits are turned up to an 11 when you do these types of jobs and these are the fallouts from that and this is how you can help fix that and and so for me going that low and 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 being you know, for lack of a better term, saved by my family. Um, the aha moment was finding out how simple it is to, to thrive and how you've always been told your whole life that it's, it's impossible, nobody can be happy, we live in this misery, 
and anytime you want anytime you're feeling happy and you want to feel miserable you turn on your phone and then you get plenty of misery or like the other day i was i was doing housework at a station and they had the radio on just like normal like you know whatever channel and and it was like one bad it was one bad news report after another like and and the way that the newscasters talk and they're just so jovial you know and they're talking about like (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, this guy was murdered in his car in Montclair. And uh, next story, two people shot while shot. And you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, and it just kind of struck me at, at, at the time. But I was just like, and, and so that's what I mean is, is we're, we're attuned or we're, we're coached or brainwashed, whatever word you want to use, into this misery, right? Because um, conspiracy theory will say that we're easier to control. But my thing is... <laughs> My thing is, is the fact that don't be, right? Don't be. Search out that happiness because it's there. And no matter how far down the the rabbit hole you are, how miserable your life is, how many times you've been divorced, how many, you know, how many bad things that have happened to you, right? Yes, it sucks. Yes, you know, it's horrible. But there's a happiness out there for you somewhere, um, and there's there's ways to get there, and and that's the, the most genuine thing I can say, is that I want that happiness just like I've found in my life, and I'm still working every day on it because you know I'm I am not perfect. Um, chasing perfection in the fire service is a lot easier than chasing perfection at home. I can tell you that. Um, there's definitely a lot more facets and no SOGs, just in case you were wondering. Um, but, uh, but that being said is there, there is happiness out there for everyone. Um, it's, but it's, you, you have to, you have to be willing to take that risk, um, and, and really, you know, put yourself out there. Um, and then once you do, you know, this podcast is a perfect example, right? When I came into this podcast a year ago, I was, for lack of better terms, I was scared shitless. I'd never done anything like this before. I never pictured myself doing anything like this before. Um, and I and I really didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? And so I come into this podcast um, not really expecting like, to be able to you know, relate to a lot of the people that a podcast would talk to. You know, I'm just some you know, old firefighter that's been doing it for too long and you know, bonked his head and went crazy and came back from it and's got this PowerPoint to tell you about how nuts he is and that's about it, you know, and, and what it's grown into over the course of just a year um is is absolutely insane. I could never have imagined, you know, where it's gone. Um, you know, and so obviously for, for this podcast, you know, I've got to throw up huge props to you guys because you you know, you get you got me to where I'm at right now. Um, because of, you know, giving me an opportunity to really challenge myself and do basically something I wasn't comfortable doing. And, and since then, you know, all of these things have, have transpired. So, yeah, the only reason why I ask is because I think people like to hear from someone who's been through the darkest places themselves because they know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And for yourself to express and be open about it, it's very brave to do it. And I mean, this podcast has started because of my own inner struggles within and working through 
it and seeing that there is light at the end of the tunnel, I have to say that being through my being through hell and back has brought me to understand that I can honor myself more and respect myself more because I was able to get through it. Here's the thing though, you don't have to get there to feel it. But I think we we have this this place with ourselves we we want to be in pain all the time. Why? You know, that's for some reason we lead ourselves there. And a lot of people get get to the point of of the the bottom to to realize they don't like it there anymore. And that's why they they gather themselves up and they take the courage to take that leap of faith to get out of it. And for people who can get out of it, you know, it's 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 hard. It's not easy. But you learn a lot more about yourself and about other people and you're a better person to be around. The fact that you've been able to get through it and people want to listen to you because knowing that you were able to get through it yourself and it's relatable and people are more in tune to listen to that more than they are wanting to go to a psychologist. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. And people, I know for myself, I'm the same way. I'll talk to, I've been through so many different therapists. I'm listening to this therapist and like, get me the fuck out of here. I don't want to be here. This person doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it took me a, a while to even, uh, long breaks where I even go to a therapist where, okay, I like this person because they're asking me certain questions that are important and they're a good soundboard to where I can reflect off my life and it's working. Um, but it took me a long time to do that. Mm-hmm. So, for even like suicide ideation, you know, I went through my own suicidal thoughts and I had to sit on my couch and be with myself. And those are the moments where it's the most, it's the hardest is when you're sitting by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I actually played with it. I challenged myself to do it more, to realize uh, these are just lies. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a mentor, you know, who told me, he's like, I, I would sit on my couch and I made a decision to not do that to myself anymore. I want to be in peace. And so I had to fight against it. Um, and so it's hard because sometimes you have to let those thoughts pass and realize things who just come and go. And sometimes you have to say, hey, no, these are not my thoughts. Get out of my thoughts. And you have to take a stand for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've been there and it sucks. You know, it, it's a struggle, but... At the same time, uh, you know, it's led me to, you know, be here to help people as well. You know, it's like, I wouldn't have the tools that I have now, you know, to help others. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's not easy, but you know, now that I'm here and here with someone like you, you know, who's been through it, it's just, uh, it's really admirable. And, uh, I can't say that, I, I would repeat it, but I am grateful you know, for those moments of myself, because it showed me my truth. I think that's what we're really instilling here on this episode now is the truth. You know, the truth is where it's at. And I think the number one thing you had mentioned too, is like, you know, be responsible for yourself, you know, take that responsibility um, to yourself. You owe it to yourself to be responsible for the people that rely on you and the people that um, respect you, you know, you, it's a high responsibility to do it, but just be responsible with your decision-making with the way you, you choose everything in this life. Um, And, you know, I think 
from what I've understood is follow the behavioral patterns. Follow your own behavior. And if you follow the behavioral patterns, under there, underlying that is a belief system that is supporting that. And if you can, if you can go into the belief system of what you truly believe why, well, for what supported that behavioral pattern, whether it's stubbornness, whether it's an insecurity about something, whether it's a, you know, a constant pattern, you're doing something that your wife shows you or your spouse shows you that you've never seen, there's something underneath that. So if you follow the behavioral patterns, you'll discover what's underneath and ultimately leads down to your identity underneath those belief systems. And a lot of time, those, those belief systems are limiting belief systems that has led you from childhood, from the way you were taught of what's right or wrong. And it goes down to the identity of who you are. And a lot of people don't get there. And that's where the truth is. So if you can do this work of what we call the great work of yourself and find your identity, that's where it's at. Because if you anchor in with your identity, you build those roots. When the wind and the storms come, it won't push the tree down because you've dug those roots really deep. A lot of people won't go there because it's hard and it hurts. It's, it's painful to hear the truth about how you were raised, mm-hmm. about how your parents talked to you and they, they gave you certain insecurities that led you to who you are now. It's hard, um, but it, it shows so much more in the quality of who you are and the character of how you stand in this life and the integrity of how you make everything whole of who you are, if you can get there. Trust me, it's not easy. Um, but you know, if you could have a support system like a mentor, a mentor is huge. I would have not gotten through my own darkest days if I had not had a mentor to show me the way. Um, and usually it was uh, people older than 45 in their 50s who taught me that stuff because they made their own mistakes. And it was good to hear from them about the mistakes they made and how they were, sh- they were showing me through their own life how to navigate it. Um, because if you don't have a compass, how are you supposed to find true north? Right. You know, um, but yeah, and, that, and that's that really, you know, when everything's swirling out of control and, and nothing really makes sense. I mean, it it takes a a pretty, I would say, both talented and and grounded person to be like, you know, have this inner journey. Um, and a lot of people don't. I mean, I d- I definitely did not have that capability because I you know had a lot of had a lot of skeletons in the closet or baggage, whatever you want to call it. And and so that was what was so important to finding uh, a clinician that that worked for me because I I was definitely not the type of person that was going to go out and research you know how to be happy, <laughs> right? That just wasn't me. That's not who I I I, I was. It is now. I Google the hell out of that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that being said, uh, it was about finding a clinician that that jived with me. And so, like you you bring up that point of you know going to those people and you're sitting there like, what am I doing? This is this is not working. And and what I want to urge people to do is to find the one that works for you. Um, and and really, you know, they're they're trying to you know really pigeonhole what it is to to respond to first responders um, and law enforcement agencies and, and uh, military members because it is a whole new ball of wax. Um, but at the base level, it is it is similar as far as the, the upbringing stuff and kind of the MFT or the, the marriage family therapist uh, side of things of, of 
you know digging out that luggage and and finding out what makes you tick and a lot of people are like oh man i just want to solve the problem at hand but like for me especially um the one thing that that my mft did um was because because i am such a problem solver and and most who do this job are um nothing was making sense right that, that was the whole thing is 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 nothing starts to make sense and you, you're just kind of a, a ship gone asunder because you can't make sense of anything and and when you start to you know really dive into what makes you tick um that's when when things start to make sense again and then you can start solving problems on your own you can start doing journaling you can start they they teach you all of these things on a personal level specifically for you um that can start you know building up that routine that that starts getting you in the right direction um but just like just like john said like this ain't easy it, it is definitely not easy at the beginning especially when she you know when the when the clinician starts dumping your your life on the table um, and, and you really got to look at it, you know, and you've been hiding in the bottom of the closet underneath your, your dirty socks for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And then all of a sudden, you know, she throws it in the middle of the room and throws a spotlight on it. And you're like, whoa, ho, ho. this is, this is, uh, this is too much. Um, and, and so, but, but that's part of the process. And, it, and, and realistically in a short amount of time, you'd be amazed at the difference that you can, you can make by, by finding the right clinician or the right mentor um, and, and the thing is, is there's going to be setbacks along the way because, you know, some scabs are bigger than others. Some scars are bigger than others. Um, and, and some haven't even become scars yet. Um, and they're still got the bandaid on them. And, and so, you know, along with the mentor, along with the, um, the clinician, um, if that's the route you take, um, and that and this this next part is kind of what what i've kind of shifted into becoming is that peer support member right? and i'm not saying it's a specific department or what have you what i mean is a peer right somebody that can hold you accountable not not like you know well i guess it would apply but you know in in the substance abuse uh, kind of column um as a sponsor right but not not going that far but if you do have a problem then 100 percent get a sponsor but what i mean by this is in, in that in that journey of becoming better whether you're like i said whether you're going through a divorce and that was the final straw whether you you know you had a family member die and that was the final straw for you um and and you're you know you know starting on this journey of self-help um and and going down this road really confide in someone find someone to confide in that isn't your clinician um and it might be it might be your wife um or your or your husband um but it might not be because that might be a a, a a a root of the problem right um and so find someone that can be your sounding board um because th there's going to be a lot of days that things don't make sense there's going to be a lot of days that it seems like it's upside down um and the last thing you want to um, do when everything seems upside down is it's just like john said is sit in your room by yourself and stare at the wall and let those thoughts spin around in circles um when you don't fully understand them yet um because that can that can cause a lot of problems too um and so but just have somebody that that's that you can confide in um and that you can bring along in your journey um and then don't be afraid to be somebody see be somebody's sponsor too you know you see somebody one of your buddies having a hard time 
um, come alongside them. And, and it's as simple. I mean, I'm not talking, you know, where you got to be at their house every day, you know, bringing them bottles of water. You can if that's what's needed. But, I mean, just, you know, the simple text, you know, once or twice a week, um, a phone call, you know, after they, after their kids go to bed, um, going over their house, you know, and uh, just talking um, and, and really humanizing this whole thing, kind of, you know, the motto or the theme of the day, um, because that's what's important is those personal, emotionally supportive relationships in all of this. I'd like to end on that. Well said, man. Uh, thanks. So, if you can uh, get in touch with Bo and his work, how do they get in touch with you, man? Uh, yeah, so um, I have my Instagram. Uh, it's Firefight Mentality. Um, I, I put up all the stuff. Um, you, you can find all the, the podcasts that I've done on there. You can find my PowerPoint um, on YouTube on there. Um, and then I try to do, you know, wellness Wednesdays and all that stuff. Any, any, anybody sends me anything that's been working for them. I try to throw something up on it. Um, like the latest one was hyperbaric chambers, crazy. The amount of research coming out right now of the help that that can uh, do. So you'll see that post on there, but, uh, um, yeah. And so you can DM me there. Um, and it's, uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me and I'll, I'll reach out and get back to you as soon as I can. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I try to keep everybody up on that. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, Bud's Odyssey. I'm sorry. You mentioned hyperbaric chambers, mm. but I was telling you about, um, you know, if anyone lives, uh, near in the Southern California area, you're a firefighter, police officer, or a veteran, you can go to Bud's Odyssey foundation.com and reach out to them and let them know about anything with like PTS that you might have. Um, because they we're saying now that it's not PTSD because that's not a disorder it's an injury so if you can go to budsodyssey.com and you visit them and you reach out to them you just email them they'll get back to you right away they have a program that is um uh they'll, they'll put you through and it's free if you're a firefighter or a police officer or a veteran um it was primarily in place for someone who's had tbi but they're looking more at pts now they put you through hyperbaric chamber therapy and they do brain paint so it helps. It's a it's a phenomenal program, and I've gone through it myself, and I've learned so much about myself when I went through it, and it was free. So if you want, if you're if you're in need of something, reach out to budsodyssey.com. It's it's a, a excellent program, and they even do like organic acid tests where you get to see like what's going on in your gut, and they give you the supplements you need after that for that um, crazy stuff. But um, I'm glad you mentioned the hyperbaric chamber therapy stuff because it's really, really good for you and it, for your physical body. And then they do the stuff for your mental body where you can go through a meditation process. They have you work through and learn how to transition from alpha to theta brainwave states. So it's pretty rad. But Yeah, it's huge for uh, injuries too. I mean, it's uh, all the, you know, the ailments and then even fresh out of uh, surgery. Like my pops right now just had shoulder surgeries doing hyperbaric. I got him, yeah. I got him in on it because... Uh, <laughs> I got him half off, and so he was in once I got him half off. But uh, uh, been huge, huge uh, for inflammation and everything. But they're they're tracing it back. I mean, I, I threw up on the Instagram, you know, 25, 30 things, everything from, you know, Crohn's disease to, you know, uh, PTS to TBI to uh, 
uh, all the autoimmune stuff and basically any inflammation in the body whether that's post-surgery or or otherwise i mean it's it's absolutely incredible some of the the details that are coming out on it and then the availability too like before um my, my sister went through a horrible sickness um infection that it wasn't available this is just three four five years ago and uh they you had to get a prescription and then now you're seeing where they're you know opening up these wellness centers with hyperbaric chamber and then you can even buy one for your house and it's not even that expensive it's like six grand um and i mean all things i mean they're usually 150 grand now you have a six thousand dollar model that you can have with an oxygen concentrator you can sit in you know fountain of the youth at your house so um but yeah it's definitely definitely something cool but i try i try to put those up on the instagram so if you have something that's working for you uh send it to me and i'll 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 shoot it out all right everybody well thanks for listening and um thanks bo for coming on brother yeah thank you so um just an effort from frontline behavioral wellness who is our sponsor and team member if you have any issues um if you are a first responder they want you to contact them and their phone number is a hotline that's 24 7 available and it's confidential and if you have any questions about their treatment or you need help if you're in dire need they are willing to help you and i know some people who have actually done this and their team will get you the help you need right away and their number is 661-877-7241 and their program is seriously um, it's geared and designed to help first responders and getting the help you need right away and don't worry about the payment or anything like that they know that everything costs money but they want you to get the help you need they take insurance so it's like if you're a first responder you're you're already set you have insurance don't worry about the cost and it's confidential so frontline behavioral wellness is there to help out um so reach out to them and thank you for listening